Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. The pain is pretty high today, and um, just with throwing and stuff like that, like finishing throws, just the pain with that, you know. So I'm just going to, you know, work on work throughout the week to just kind of get that motion down, try to, you know, get that pain down a little bit and see what happens, you know, Friday night, Saturday. It's Zach Zaidman on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. Friday night has passed. Saturday, the Bears announced, and that's today, the Bears announced that Nathan Peterman has been elevated from the practice squad to the active roster, and that tells me that we are not going to see Justin Fields on the field tomorrow when the Bears play the Jets in New York. Hi, everyone. Zach Zaidman with you. It's the final hour. We're here until 6 o'clock, 312-644-6767. Pleased to be joined right now on the score hotline by the dean of the media room at Hallis Hall, the Chicago Tribune's Brad Biggs joins us. Presented by Circa Resort and Casino, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Brad, do you tend to agree with me just based on uh, the move the Bears made today and the fact that Fields was so open and candid about what was wrong with his shoulder earlier in the week? Yeah, I think it's it's learning specifically from Justin what's wrong with the shoulder. It's listening to... who was going to be the starting quarterback and leave this uh, open-ended decision to be made Sunday that could potentially lead the Jets to wonder if Justin Fields will be out there. I think the Jets have been preparing for Trevor Simeon all week. I think they've got a pretty good idea, uh, as do other teams, of of what it means when when a guy goes down with an injury like that. So uh, not quite the uh, Justin Fields versus Zach Wilson game that we all expected uh, here recently. Uh, Jets making a quarterback change because of performance, and the Bears likely to uh, move to Trevor Trevor Simeon, for tomorrow anyway, uh, because of injury. So give us a reason to focus in on tomorrow's game. If, If you're a big Justin Fields fan, Obviously, that's that's always the reason to watch. But we know the Bears are rebuilding. If he doesn't play, what should we be looking for tomorrow? Well, can the passing offense get going a little bit, right? Can you, you – Zach, I can't tell you how many different people have asked me when uh, Chase Claypool is going to get involved. And my answer to that has been pretty easy. Like, well, how about Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet? But when you're averaging – uh, 20.8 pass attempts per game, there, there's not a lot to spread around. David Montgomery's not a bad receiver out of the backfield. You know, you start looking at all the different guys that can get targets here, and there's just not enough targets to go around. Trevor Simeon's not going to 
uh, operates his own read uh, in the same manner Justin Fields does. Maybe they'll ask him to do it a couple times. Um, they're not going to run QB power with him, QB sweep, all these different things that we've seen Justin do. The ball's going to have to come out quickly. So uh, if the passing volume goes up uh, noticeably tomorrow, how do they look? Can Simeon, um, who hasn't had the benefit of really any playing time this season, make quick reads and get the ball out because this Jets front, Zach, is formidable, okay? And um, the Jets get home with four. They're, they're, they've got one of the lowest blitz rates in the National Football League. And my fear is that Quinn and Williams, the New York defensive tackle, will be um, he'll look like Reggie White tomorrow. You know, Quinn and Williams with uh, a career high already, eight sacks this season, 18 quarterback hits. And let me put that in perspective for you real quickly. Uh, the Bears defensive lineman as a whole, including Robert Quinn, 21 quarterback hits. Quinn and Williams, 18 by himself. So he's a load. Uh, they've got some other guys that will get to the quarterback. So Simeon's going to have to be uh, quick with his reads and accurate and uh, they're going to have to hold up for him. Visiting with Brad Biggs, who covers the Bears for the Chicago Tribune, and you can hear him with Mully and Haw on most mornings on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. All right, let's take a look at the big picture thing here, because there is a school of thought that says, why are you so worried about the passing game when Justin Fields is in there and he's healthy? Over the last five games, since they've decided to go with this new uh, way of running an offense with more design runs, they're averaging nearly 30 points per game. So that should be good enough to win you a whole bunch of football games. It has not been, but that's not Justin Fields' fault. So why worry about the passing game? Just let him do his thing, surround the rest of the team with a little bit better talent, and now you'll start winning games. Yeah, well... And, and that's a great question. And if the defensive line was substantially better, instead of being one and four in these five games where they've averaged 29 and a half points per game, they, they could be five and oh or four and one, right? You know, what, what's the offense failed to do in these games? Uh, failed them out two minute drives at the end. Everything else has been pretty good. You know, you, you score points in that fashion, you should expect to win on Sundays in the National Football League. Um, the question is, when you have an offense that's being run in this manner and you've got the quarterback running the ball this much, it, it, injuries uh, are a concern, and now we're seeing why. And now we're seeing uh, Fields likely out tomorrow. This will be the third time he's been out with an injury uh, since he was input as the starter. A year ago, there was a, a rib injury suffered against the Ravens last year. There was an ankle injury suffered after that against the Vikings. And now this, and, you know, he's got 122 carries on the season, Zach. You add in uh, 40 sacks and then hits that he's taken on plays where he gets rid of the ball. And I think that's the concern. That's how you look at it and you say, is this sustainable? You know, can your quarterback get hit this much? It's been it's been electric. It's been fun to watch. It's been explosive, right? Look at the scoreboard. No one's going to argue against that kind of production. But I think it's fair to say is it sustainable? And um, how much better 
can they get in the passing game? Because they, they ultimately, it's my belief you got to you got to be able to throw to win in the National Football League, and um, you know they're they're like on a record-setting pace here, twenty point eight pass attempts per game. I referenced that earlier. Mm-hmm. In a full season, uh, the last team that had fewer pass attempts per game was the 1977 San Francisco 49ers at like 19.8. So you're talking about 45 uh, seasons ago. So that's how sort of run heavy uh, the Bears have been so far. And with Fields in particular, Brad, do you think, and this is something that I've started thinking about, you referenced late in the game, those drives where the Bears haven't been able to come through and they played so many tight games. How much do you think the expenditure of energy because of uh, the dynamic runs and the athleticism and everything that Fields does early on in the game, how much do you think that takes out of him in the fourth and late in the games you're seeing him probably at his worst and and it's reflected in some awful fourth quarter numbers? That's an interesting question. That's not something I've considered. Um maybe worth looking at, you know, even though it seems like every game has been close, we're still sort of dealing with a smaller uh, sample size there, but they just, they just can't, they have been unable. I shouldn't say can't, they have been unable to really get a drive going. They had, um, you know, some calls that probably should have gone their way against the lions. There's no question uh, about that, but um, they haven't been able to move the ball down the field when they really, uh, needed to and you know i was joking with a friend he said geez you know maybe they get these drives going if they get a legit number one wide receiver which they don't have right now and i said maybe maybe they don't need to mount these drives if they get better on defense because they they've just been terrible on defense and i think one of the other things that we should at least reference here when we talk about the improvements that they've made offensively with justin out there is these guys have been on fire on third down lately, Zach. Mm-hmm. They, they've been, I believe, over 50% on third down the last four or five weeks. They went from being one of the very worst offenses in the league on third down to currently they're ranked sixth in the league on third down. So that's another area where, besides scoring points lately, um, they've been able to sustain drives and in a lot of those conversions are obviously uh, because of Justin's uh, unique ability and uh, the pressure that he puts on the defense in so many different ways. Is it as simple as saying, well, you know, they, they traded Khalil Mack, they traded Roquan Smith, they, they traded Robert Quinn. And that's the reason that the defense looks the way it has over the last five games or should we take a closer look and say, hey, things should be a little bit better considering what's happening on the other side of the ball and the offensive numbers that the Bears are putting up, that you should be in a better position to win? Yeah, I mean, they, they should be better. Certainly the coaching staff will tell you that they should be better with the guys they've got. I didn't think the defense was that great last season, Zach. You know, when you really looked at it and you looked at who they were playing in the middle of that line, and, and that sort of thing. And obviously, Mac missed a ton of time last season. But I thought you saw the, the defense take a, take a step back every year that it got removed from Vic Fangio being there. 
2018 with was his final year, right? And so mm-hmm. 2019, they were it, it it was a pretty good defense, good defense. Um, 2020, it was kind of okay. I, I just think that unit sort of regressed every year, and so they, they weren't real good last year. And then with a scheme change this year, with um, them removing the highest paid players, um, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a mess right now. You know, look at the, how many of these guys on defense right now will be starting for the Bears next season, and then how many do they want to be starting for the Bears next season? Because you sometimes you can't get every item on your shopping list. You know, it's it's not like heading to Jewel and you're able to tick them all off. You could go to Jewel in this instance, and you know they're out of two or three things, and now you got now you got guys playing next year that are struggling right now that you'd ultimately like to replace. Yeah, and over the last few regimes, even if you had the big shopping spree at Jewel, you'd pick the the items that would spoil quickly, so <laughs> it didn't really help you sustain yeah. the success that, that you were looking for. And I bring that up for, for this point, and we'll let you go after this, Brad. The Bears, as we sit here today, have the number three overall pick in next year's draft. Should we... Is it fair to assume now that's usually where you would take a quarterback if there was one available, and there could be a few. Are we to assume now that the last five games has shown this this new regime enough from Justin Fields that you build around this guy, and now it's the other positions that you worry about in the draft and free agency? Yeah, and I'd be stunned if they took a quarterback this year. I think that, first of all, I don't think it's a great quarterback class and I could be proven wrong. And, you know, come late February, early March, maybe I shift my opinion a little bit, but, but I think if you're desperate, desperate for a quarterback and even at the top of this quarterback draft, um, you, you may end up disappointed. Uh, CJ Stroud didn't look very good today. Did he Zach? So um, yeah, no, they, I think fields is fields is shown, shown more than enough where you say, I want to. I want to see more from him. He's got to show growth and development, but you certainly want to continue to work with him and uh, and coach him and giving him give him an opportunity to um, have the passing game come along because he's he's an unbelievable threat running the ball. He doesn't have to be uh, the world's greatest throwing quarterback, but if he can be good, I mean, it, it could be lights out for this. For this offense, one thing to keep in mind on the draft order, Zach, and, and they are sitting three. If the draft was held this evening, they'd have the third pick. Uh, the Bears are three and eight right now, along with the Carolina Panthers. There are six teams right behind the Bears currently that are three and seven. So all those teams have had their bye week already. The Bears don't have the bye until week 14 after they host the Packers next week. So, in, in based on the um, kind of strength of schedule, the Bears are in a position where they're likely, not guaranteed, but likely to lose uh, a bunch of tiebreakers. So they could they could quickly kind of slide down from three, not too far, obviously, but if they continue to stack losses, yeah, you're looking at a super high uh, draft pick in April. Great stuff, Brad. Thank you so much. Appreciate the time. Have a great weekend.
You too. Happy Thanksgiving weekend to Brad Biggs and all of you. You can catch Brad's work in the Chicago Tribune. All right, a quick timeout. When we come back, the 85 Bear. Bears radio analyst Tom Thayer will join us. Zach Zaidman with you until 6 o'clock on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. Critical third down and eight of the 16-yard line. 29th third down defense in the NFL. Bears rising at 44% conversion on third down. Coming up at 6.15 to go in the quarter. Mustafer to snap it back to Fields in the gun. He's got a two-by-two arrangement. Snap is back against a four-man rush. Good protection. Slings it to the left corner of the end zone. Up in the air for the catch. Darnell Mooney for the touchdown. Touchdown, Bears. Wide open. 16-yard strike from Fields to Mooney. The connection continues with these two, and the Bears are an extra point away from tying the game. It's Zach Zaidman on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. We're talking Bears with the unmistakable voice of Jack Joniak. Who says the Bears don't have weapons for Justin Fields to go to? Darnell Mooney's one. Cole Komet out of Notre Dame continues to make plays every time they target him. There's an offensive line that has helped the Bears rush for nearly 200 yards per game. No one is a close second in the NFL to that. Baltimore is number two, and the Ravens are averaging 160-plus yards per game on the ground. The Bears are dominating the ground game in the NFL. Chase Claypool can catch the ball. He's no slouch. I mean, there's there's enough, I think, to improve the passing game a little bit. That's my, my brief thought there. Zach Zaidman with you until 6 o'clock on the score. And let's talk Bears here with... Jeff's radio partner, 85 Bear Tom Thayer, joins us now on the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino Hotline. Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. It is a rare treat to talk football with you, Tom, on Saturday, so I really appreciate it. But before we get to the Bears, I want to talk about one of your former teammates, Jim Harbaugh, who pulled <laughs> off a massive, massive win in Columbus today. Michigan crushed Ohio State. The game was not even close. This was a total blowout. 45-23, Wolverines win it. First time that Michigan has won in Columbus since 2000. What does that say about Mr. Harbaugh? He did a really good job of getting the kids prepared, and he made the right decisions when the right defense was called to attack what Ohio State was presenting. In weather, it was a good decision by a young quarterback and took advantage of blitz and in man-on-man protection. So, um, you know, I, I think the, the kids are a reflection of Jim's attitude. And when I played with Jim Harbaugh for the number of years I, I did, he was always the most physically prepared kid I ever played, guy I ever played with. He was, you know, a studier of the game. And it Quarterback play, I think, back then because of the lack of communication devices in your helmet and stuff, were a little bit more was a little bit more difficult. But mm-hmm. he's been able to transcend, uh, bringing his coaching attitude into the locker room, get the kids to believe in it, understand the work that he's going to require from them, and then ultimately put together a game plan that starts when the, the season begins that accumulates in this game. And I think um, every game plan is a little bit unique in its own right, but everything is geared towards the Ohio State-Michigan game. And we've seen him have success over the course of his, his long coaching career with very different types of quarterbacks, whether it was Andrew Luck early on 
at Stanford. Colin Kaepernick was a very different quarterback than Alex Smith when he was with the 49ers. And at Michigan, he's had to deal with a lot of different guys playing the position who have different styles. That really says a lot about his coaching ability, where you can take players with different skill sets and yet make them reach the highest possible level as players. But you know what, Zach? It always starts with the offense and defensive line. And I'm not saying that just because I'm an ex-offensive lineman. But if you go look at the talent that he had last year on the defensive edges for Michigan, you look at the offensive line talent that he's had over the last couple of years and the defensive line talent. You know, so, yeah, you, you can get the best out of your high-profile players, your quarterbacks, your running backs, and your receivers, and your defensive backs but it's got to be supported by the guys up front. And I think if you look at any team that's had success, and no matter what level you're talking about from Pop Warner to the pros, you know, there's always a certain element up front that gets the job done for you in a dominating type of fashion. And so I, I'm a big believer in what Jim and who he's been able to recruit up front for both sides of the ball has been as helpful to the success of his uh, coaching um, resume as any other position that he's coached. Talking football with Tom Thayer. We'll save the Notre Dame stuff for the end of this segment, and we'll get your take <laughs> on on the big rivalry game that the Irish have tonight uh, on the road at USC. Let's talk Bears a little bit, because we, we are seeing something that you could have only dreamed about when you were playing. And, and I brought this up earlier on the show. When the teams that, that you played on, those Ditka teams that had Hall of Fame defenders, multiple Hall of Famers on the defensive side, uh, Lovey's Bears that featured Brian Urlacher, Lance Briggs, and Peanut Tillman. I mean, they, those teams struggled to score. And if I would have told you that you could get 30 points a game, like essentially what the Bears have done offensively for the last five games, put up the, the volume of points that they put up, you should have more than one win, right? Yeah, but you don't have the, you don't have that defensive staff, uh, the players individual from from the '80s to the Lovey era. You know, right now you have a defensive line that's not getting pressure on the quarterback. You have a rotating linebacker position with you know bringing in um, Roquan Smith late and then bringing in, putting in the Will linebacker and Nicholas Morrow in the middle linebacker. Then you bring in Jack Sanborn, put him in the middle, and Nicholas Morrow at the. Uh, the Will linebacker, and then you have two rookies that are starting in the defensive backfield. You got Jalen Johnson, who was hurt for a little bit of uh, a little time. Eddie Jackson's kind of playing back a little bit to his old school style that he wasn't playing the last couple of years. So you don't have the support of the defense. And even if you're scoring a lot of points, you never have a chance to take some chances on defense because the other team is is – doing things successfully from their offense that you're not challenging. You're not getting three and outs. You're not getting multiple sacks per game. You're not getting tackles for loss. And uh, and then some of the penalties throughout the season that have come back to haunt you uh, from, uh, you know, the Eddie Jackson penalty in the Miami game or, you know, some of the other events that have occurred. It, you know, it's a supporting cast game. So you need to be supported by your special teams, and they've given up big plays in the last couple weeks. You need to be able to take that rushing yards, and they have to result in consistently getting into the end zone with touchdowns, not field goals. And then your defense has got to help you as, as much as anything 
that you know we're talking about on offense and special teams, and that just hasn't been the case yet this year. Man, it, it is. It, it's just frustrating to to watch it play out the way it has because these games have have been so winnable. At least uh, during this this five game stretch here, where the Bears have uh, averaged nearly 30 points per game. Tom Thayer is with us. We, we have focused, and I think rightfully so, on some of the, the field's passing numbers that haven't been what you'd like. And, and we've really focused on the fourth quarter, where the numbers have dipped significantly. How much, and, and I've asked this to some of the, the experts that we've had, but you've played the game. You have a different vantage point here. Do you think the expenditure of energy that it takes for Fields to be the the great threat that he is with his legs, that that takes something out of him by the end of the game. So when you need your quarterback to be able to to raise to another level, that you know he's too physically spent because he's doing things you don't see other quarterbacks do. Well, he's physically spent because he's not throwing the ball. And to me, I may be in the minority. I am excited as a Bears season ticket holder, as a Bears fan for my whole life and as an ex-player, to see what Justin puts on display in terms of his athleticism. It's up there with the top you know, one or two guys across the board in the NFL. However, if you're going to be a successful quarterback that starts winning the division that leads to playoffs and then ultimately leads to a Super Bowl, it's going to be because we're talking about Justin Fields' passing numbers. The more we sit here and talk about his rushing numbers, as great as they are, until we start talking about 250 to 275 to 280 yards passing a game, all that running is just going to get him attacked. You're going to challenge him to be a thrower. And if he does get himself into a third and long situation, then they're going to blitz him. They're going to send extra bodies. They're going to see some vulnerabilities on the offensive line. And they're going to take advantage of guys out of position. When, to me, if I was coaching Justin and it may not be popular, I would not let him run anymore. I would say for the remainder of the season that you're going to throw the ball when we call a pass play. We're going to challenge you to trust what you're seeing, to trust um, your ability to throw the ball. And he is an accurate guy. He's got really, he's got great long ball accuracy. Justin's got a strong arm. He's dedicated as much as any player I've seen across the board. However, I don't want to see him run the ball anymore because I'm worried about him getting hurt in a way that's going to take him out of action for a, per- a significant period of time. And I'm not talking about a shoulder injury. I'm talking about a devastating lower body injury, and that worries me. Because when you talk about what Justin means to the future of this football team, he's, not, he's, he's got to be on the field to make that type of aggressive evaluation in how this team is going forward. So um, I, I don't want anybody to get the wrong message because I love everything that Justin does as a competitor on the field. But from my years of seeing a guy like John Elway run early in his career and then turn to a passer late in his career and finishing his career with two Super Bowls. If you look at Steve Young and the way he suffered through his career in the USFL, his time with Tampa, and then sitting with Bill Walsh behind Joe Montana and then becoming the Hall of Famer he's become. And then there's, you know, there's a lot of examples out there of quarterbacks that just wanted to be a running quarterback and they never, they never had the ultimate success that you know teams, organizations, fan bases are looking for, and that's the Super Bowl. And so 
to me, I, I want Justin to become the passer that I know he has the ability, the intelligence, the accuracy, and the arm talent to have. And so that's what I'm looking for, um, you know, when he's on the field. Tom, you're the perfect person to ask about this because you know, and I know when you're in your car and you're you're driving to Hallis Hall or, or driving back home, you hear what what fans think and what other people in the media think, hosts, reporters. And a lot of what you get is, okay, well, he doesn't have weapons around him. So how do you expect him to to be a good passer when he doesn't have playmakers or he doesn't have a good offensive line? How much of that is true? How much of it is fiction? Give, me, give us an idea of, from watching the video, the tape that you watch, as well as the games, there are plays out there to be made, right? In the past. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't agree with that narrative because when you bring in Chase Claypool at 6'5, you have EQ St. Brown at 6'4, plus, you have Cole Komet at 6'6, six, six, six plus, you got Darnell Mooney, who is a super talent guy, you got Nikhil Harry, who I think should be active, and he hasn't been the last couple weeks at 6'4. You have the weapons, and I think it's more about Justin trusting himself. And, you know, being covered in the NFL is still, you can still throw to that receiver because you are going to be covered. But if, for example, you know, if you look at the jets tomorrow and I don't even know if uh, Justin's going to play. So, you know, just, I'm just using the jets. For example, they got a, a, a five, nine cornerback. They got a five, 10 nickelback. They got a five, eight safety. They got a five, 10 safety. And then they got sauce Gardner. Who's a rookie. 6-3 cornerback, okay? So he can guard one guy. So if you can trust the receivers who can catch the ball above their head and you have a significant aiming point and a catching radius, you can take advantage of undersized defensive back against superior-sized wide receivers. And I'm not talking about throwing the ball 20 yards downfield. I'm talking about throwing the ball so you can keep your offense on the field and keep getting first downs. So that means you're going to be throwing completions from four to eight yards and then having run after the catch. So for them to say that there are not um, targets for Justin, I don't, I don't agree with that. I think David Montgomery has some of the best hands of any running back in the league. And if you get him to the exterior of the offense and he's an outlet receiver, and then you, try, you challenge third-level tacklers with David Montgomery, he's going to get significant amounts of yards after the catch like any other weapon could get. So the Bears have brought in the receivers, but it's about Justin understanding what he's saying in the huddle, how it fits to all those 10 other guys, and then if the defense changes at the line of scrimmage and then you have to go to the audible that you've already called in the huddle, you have to know what everybody's assignment is. And so that takes time. If if we are sitting here, Zach, you and I doing a show in a year from now and Justin is in the same Luke Getze system. He's repeatedly saying the same information that he's saying since the day that Luke has got here. Then you're going to start seeing Justin's trust, you know, be pointed in an upward direction significantly. And that's what every quarterback hopes to have in the course of their career is significant time in the same system. When I was with the Bears and with Jim McMahon and with Jim Harbaugh, we had the same system for seven straight years, same terminology. Everything that was being said, every single guy in that huddle knew exactly what it meant to everybody. So for 
Justin and getting the best out of Justin, it's going to be about being in the same system because the weapons are here. And yeah, I think with Ryan Poles and the amount of money they have to spend in the offseason and the amount of draft choices, you're going to see a significantly different roster than next year. However, what you when you're talking about the Cole Komets and the Chase Claypools and the Darnell Mooney and the Dave Montgomery, you're already talking about having weapons right there that that can are going to be able to contribute to this football team. And then you hope guys like Bayless Jones Jr. and Nikhil Harry all step up their plate. I think EQ St. Brown is on a one-year contract, so you don't know what his future is going to be. But, you know, keep that supporting cast around Justin. Start building an offensive line that is going to give him that 3.2 to 3.8 seconds of uninterrupted time to get the ball downfield. And then you're going to see a much more high-performance offense and we're not talking about Justin's running ability anymore. If he gets a passing game that is dominated by his running game, it could be unstoppable. Yeah, that's, that's I think, what, what everyone wants to see. It's, it, you should be greedy when it comes to, to his gifts as, as a player. And I, I think he's only scratched the surface of it. And that's why I think the 30 points that they've gotten over the last five games. Yeah, it looks good. There are a lot of highlights, but you want the wins. You want that to translate into wins. All right, a couple of more questions. One on tomorrow's game, and then we'll get to Notre Dame. Real quick, we've talked so much about the Bears, but the Jets are a very different team heading into tomorrow's game. They made the switch at quarterback, and I'm sure you've watched some tape on Mike White, who has played for them in the past and and won. So what's what stands out to you in terms of how the Jets may be different offensively now that they've made the switch at the quarterback position? All right, first of all, I'm in total disagreement with them taking Zach Wilson out of the lineup. He was the second person picked in the draft, and they spent hundreds of thousands of dollars evaluating everything about him to make him that pick. And then you're going to play a defense like the Bears and take him out of the lineup. I think by Joe Douglas, their GM, who is a guy I like, I think it's completely the wrong decision. And then you're talking about a, you know, Zach Wilson, 6'2", 214 pounds. Now you go to Mike White, 6'5", 218 pounds out of Western Kentucky. He's been around for four years. He's had some really good games, but then he has some good games that he's been vulnerable to uh, aggressive pass rushes and blitzing combinations that he doesn't read very well beforehand and he's not going to be a guy that is going to have the elusiveness of some of the other quarterbacks the Bears have faced this year and he doesn't have a he's got experience but he doesn't have a great deal of experience so I think if you can put up some unconventional looks and take some chances by the Bears defense and bring some pressure from areas that you're not really expecting it then you can push him out of the pocket you can challenge his athleticism and you can try to get him to throw off a platform that he's not comfortable or confident with because with, he doesn't have his feet set. So, you know, Mike White is, you know, the reason he's in the NFL is because he has skill. However, this is not the guy they brought in to lead the Jets to the future, and that was Zach Wilson. You know, it, it, okay, now you got me thinking uh, one more question then about the because maybe there are the issues that we're not aware of between Zach Wilson and the locker room. You know, some people brushed it aside. Well, the, the comments that he made at the podium after that game against the Patriots where he didn't accept blame for what transpired, that people thought, well, that's not the reason he's getting benched. But maybe that, maybe that's a sign of, of some immaturity that, and a personality deal with his teammates in the locker room that maybe resulted in the switch. 
You know, listen, I played with a BYU quarterback just like Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson that was as crazy as anybody. And, you know, Jim McMahon took responsibility for things he didn't de- deserve to take the responsibility. And it, it, and it helped us in the locker room. And Zach Wilson understood that he was wrong at the podium. But, it, you know, Zach, you've been in the locker room as much as anybody that you're talking to. And you know the emotions that are flying around there immediately following the game. And you're not going to get an answer that you always – deserve and you're going to get disrespected at times but that's no reason you take the second second pick in the draft which i said you spend hundreds of thousands of dollars evaluating this young man and then say oh we're not going to play anymore because you didn't apologize at the podium that's a bunch of baloney that's just a, a modern day reaction from all the different social media avenues that you can attack a guy and so for them to give up on zach wilson if that was, I don't know whose decision it was, the head coach, the owner, the GM, I, I don't believe in that decision. And, uh, you know, you got to give the guy, a, you got to give the guy a chance to rebound from making a mistake that I guarantee you he would never make again in the remainder of his career. What's interesting is the Jets have said, at least Robert Sala, the head coach, has said that he's not done with Zach Wilson, that we will probably see him at some point again this year. So we'll see. All right, let's get to the fun stuff. Notre Dame, USC, your thoughts. You know, when Notre Dame travels out to USC and they get caught up in the fanfare, the fanfare of L.A. and the bright lights. And when I was there, Zach, and we in the two years, I uh, so I played USC all four years, two years at Notre Dame, two years at USC during the Thanksgiving weekend. So we would go out to Hollywood for the whole week and we would go to alumni's houses, and that's where we would eat Thanksgiving dinner. But then you get caught up in the stardom of seeing Hollywood, seeing Beverly Hills, seeing the ocean. I'm from Joliet, Illinois. I've never seen that (laughs) stuff before. And it turns out to be more of a distraction than it does, uh, you know, the preparations that you would have if you stayed at home. And I don't know what Notre Dame's routine is in these days, so – you just have to make sure that you stay focused. You understand that you belong in this game, and then you can't allow USC to get off to a fast start. And, you know, I played in the Coliseum in the USFL at Notre Dame. I played there against the L.A. Raiders. And the only time I've ever played in that stadium when it was sold out was the USC-Notre Dame games. So there's a lot of emotions that you have to keep in check when you go out there for this game, and it's a nationally televised game. USC has got a lot on the line, but so does Notre Dame and its coaching staff and the recruiting for the future. And some individual have big opportunities out there. So um, I'm interested to see how Notre Dame reacts within the first 15 minutes of the game, because if they get behind uh, by an insurmountable amount of points, it's going to be difficult for them to get themselves in the game. And you're just going to see the emotions rise on the side of USC sidelines. All right, we'll pay attention to that in the early going. But overall, I am I am just stunned at the transformation because early in the year, things were teetering for the Irish, and Marcus Freeman was able to right the ship, and they have looked fantastic uh, ever, ever since they they kind of got things going in the right direction. Tom, well, I can't as, think- soon, as soon yeah. as they beat Syracuse, I think that really got them on the right track, and they knew that <laughs> things were going in the right direction. <laughs> Man, <laughs> all right, you got me. I can't say anything. Well done. You uh, you kicked our rear ends in that game at the Dome, and it was uh, it was not a fun day for me. I, I didn't talk to you that day. I was so mad. 
No, I knew, you know what, I made comments, though. We are in Dallas, and I made comments during the broadcast of the Dallas game that at least I didn't have to listen to anything from you anymore the whole year after Notre Dame <laughs> beat Syracuse. <laughs> I've been very quiet since that game. Hey, Tom, thank you so much. Good luck tomorrow. Have a great call with Jeff. Thanks, Zach. Tom Thayer, you can catch him on the broadcast on our sister station, WBBM, beginning at noon tomorrow. Pre-game here on the score with Molly and Manley at 9. And then right after the game, Molly and Manley will join us for the post-game show on the score. Quick break. When we come back, we'll wrap things up. Zach Zaidman with you until 6 o'clock on the score. It's Zach Zaidman on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. Our final few moments here before we say goodbye. I want to thank the executive producer on today's program, Cesar Perez, who helped us blast through the speakers of the radio and made sure everyone hopped on board. We had an action-packed program right from the get-go. Great lead-in, by the way. Thanks, Michigan and Ohio State. You heard that game right here on The Score. And then uh, we came on right after the post-game show on Westwood One. And I'm just stunned by how Michigan was able to dot. They were down by three at halftime. And then the Wolverines just took over in the second half. Uh, they did it. And we just heard from Tom Thayer with a terrific running game that, that set the tone. Great coaching job by Jim Harbaugh to think that they there was the belief that he was gone, that they were going to kick him out at Michigan. Remember? Everyone thought, well, last year was an aberration. They were able to surprise Ohio State in Ann Arbor, and, and then that would be it. And, and I don't think he got the kind of love from the administration at Michigan that you would expect. There were some people that thought maybe he'd end up in the NFL. I would have loved to have seen him coach the Bears. And I know that Yes, he can be difficult, but you're seeing now he's he's turned that Michigan program around. And there was a while there where it didn't look like that was possible in the early going of his tenure at Michigan. But just like he's done everywhere else he's ever been, Jim Harbaugh has turned around another football program, whether it was San Diego State, whether it was Stanford, whether it was with the 49ers, and now with Michigan. That's undeniable. And even though he's quirky, some may say a little weird, and you might not want to deal with that personality, it works. He knows football. Guys play for him. They play hard, and they win. And that matters. Because ultimately, winning matters. And that gets me back to the Bears. Because when I start looking at this team, I don't think we'll see Justin Fields play tomorrow. Why take the risk when you're not really playing for anything going forward other than his development and the development of, of the young people on the team that are going to be here next year? Let let the, the shoulder heal. If he can play next week, then you play him next week. If he can't, you got to bye week after that. Just allow him to... to to get the time he needs to get the shoulder right and then get back on the field. But while the last five weeks have been exciting, you want wins, not just excitement. You want wins. That's the most exciting thing of all. I want to thank all of our guests today. Stacey Dales from NFL Network. The legendary voice of the Cubs, Pat Hughes. Kevin Fishbane from The Athletic. Brad Biggs from the Chicago Tribune. 
85 Bear Tom Thayer for lending their voices to today's program. And I want to thank you for listening and calling in. I'm Zach Sademan. Have a great Thanksgiving weekend. Let's enjoy some NFL football tomorrow together. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670 to score. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.